You're listening to Seattle Real Estate Podcast. Hey, everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds, the owner of Summer Properties Northwest, Reynolds Decline Appraisal, and your host of the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. We're going to jump right into it because I've got a good one here for you. So zombies are stirring as the Fed creates a monster debt problem. So we've got zombies, we've got monsters, we've got the Fed, we've got debt. And then I'm going to throw in a little Robin Hood story, the free online investor platform after this. So first, we're going to jump into the Sydney Morning Herald article. Uh, I find that to be a really good news source. And not only because my mom is Australian, but my good friend Gavin Turner is also Australian and he lives in Sydney. So in the US, the zombies are awakening as the consequences of the Federal Reserve's board, unprecedented interventions in credit markets continue to emerge. In perhaps the most peculiar of the developments flowing from the U.S. Central Bank's novel policies, love how they say novel, novel policies, was last week's approval by a Delaware judge of a plan by Hertz, the car rental company, to raise up to $1 billion of new equity by selling shares to the public while it is in bankruptcy. Hertz is in bankruptcy. They, they declared a while ago. Shares in the fallen car rental company have bizarrely traded at prices as high as um, $5.53 US since the company filed for bankruptcy with $19 billion of debt. Tough to get out of that much debt. Although they closed at $1.88 on Monday. So that was last, uh, that was Monday yesterday. We are Tuesday, June the 16th now. Be interesting to see where Hertz goes. But the New York Stock Exchange is planning to delist the shares, underscoring the extent of the risk investors are taking. So what's going on here? We've got these weird dynamics. I know everybody's looking at the US stock market going, what is happening over there? How, how are we in the midst of a pandemic? Businesses are shut down, small businesses everywhere are shut down. And yet the stock market with all these big boys, it's just going crazy. Now, I've kind of jokingly uh, indicated that somehow the big publicly traded companies got the memo that the coronavirus just really isn't that much to be worried about. I think initially we had a lot of concern, but somehow the stock market companies, companies traded on the publicly traded exchanges, got the memo of don't worry about the coronavirus. It's really not anything significant. And so, you know, let's just keep rolling. And investors apparently got that memo too, because the stock market has been going crazy. So let's keep going with this article and see what we've got. For those of you listening on the podcast, this article has a photo of two Hertz trucks. They got the big Hertz emblem on the side. They're box trucks. I would say they're 26 foot long box trucks. And they are uh, hoisted up in the trees, the rear end of the trucks are hoisted up in the trees, kind of like you would see um, in the zombie show. Uh, what's our zombie show? The, the main uh, Walking Dead. Kind of like you'd see you have all the zombies just kind of stuck in the trees. Got a picture of that. So kind of entertaining for a, a uh, business article. The Fed has been buying securities in exchange traded bond funds to keep corporate interest rates low, keeping the liquidity going. On Monday, it announced the start of a new program under which it will buy initially up to $250 billion, so a quarter trillion dollars of corporate bonds directly. They're not buying on the secondary market. They are going direct and buying. This is the Federal Reserve of the United States government. Under the program, the Fed can buy any bonds issued by a company that held an investment-grade credit rating 
even only a notch above junk status. And that was on March 22nd. This was kind of when the whole coronavirus thing was going down. And that was when the program was announced. Effectively, that means the Fed can buy bonds in the so-called fallen angels or company whose bonds have been relegated to junk status after that date. I love the term fallen angels. At one time, they were, they were angels and they were flying around in heaven. Since then, they have fallen to the earth. They're no longer desirable. They're fallen angels. But we should still think of them as angels. That's kind of the misnomer. It's kind of like a price improvement on a home being sold in real estate. We've got a price improvement for you. It's better. You should buy it because this is an improved price, not, hey, we dropped the price because it was, it was too high. Price improvement. So let's keep going here. All right. So uh, just the announcement of the program worked to thaw a market for high-yield bonds that had been frozen by the onset of the coronavirus pandemic. The stress in credit markets has disappeared and spreads and yields have shrunk. Access to credit has been plentiful with the Fed's own data showing U.S. non-financial debt increasing by more in the first quarter of this year than at any other time in the past half century. Pump enough money into a system and guess what? You're going to have some results. U.S. companies borrowed more than $750 billion in the March quarter. Billion. So corporate America is like, we're going to take this opportunity to take advantage of what the federal government is doing. And it's go time. Let's go. With cash pouring into the junk, junk bond market, and junk bond market is just um, bonds that don't have a great credit rating. Do you remember the junk bond kind of Michael Milken deal? Do you remember that? Maybe you don't. Well, we're going to learn it again. All right. So with cash pouring into the junk bond market and the Fed acting as a form of underwriter for even risky corporate debt, perhaps it isn't surprising that investors are taking risks that they might not have contemplated previously. Now, why would investors be taking that risk? Because they know the Fed is directly propping up all this corporate debt, even the junk bond debt. It was instructive that on Monday, before the Fed's announcement of the start of direct corporate bond purchases, the U.S. share market was down as much as 2.5%. It closed up nearly 1%. So you got a 3.5 point uh, swing. Because everybody's like, oh, the Fed's doing another quarter trillion in, uh, in, in purchasing bonds. Let's go time. Let's go. Bond yields actually firmed slightly after sliding on fears of a second wave of the coronavirus. That's what we've kind of been experiencing is, oh, no, a lot of the states have these coronavirus um, indicators that uh, more cases are happening. And I think more cases, you know, clearly they're, they're happening, but we're also testing a lot more. And I don't see the death numbers just spiraling, spiraling out of control. I don't see this panic for ventilators. I don't see this overwhelming uh, surge to hospitals. We're just not hearing that, not seeing that. But we do have more cases. Bond yields actually firmed slightly after sliding on fears of a second wave of the coronavirus, with the Fed's actions seen as positive for the economy and markets. There is, therefore, a direct cause and effect relationship between the Fed's actions and announcements and the share and bond markets. Yeah, because you're propping up the market. Um, and we've got a picture of Jerome Powell looking very serious. He's got stuff to say. And Jerome Powell, the Fed ch uh, chairman, is testifying. I think he just got through, and I point up here because I'm pointing at the television screen that we usually have streaming CNBC because it's business and that's what we're supposed to be talking about here. Um, 
So Jerome Powell is testifying, I believe uh, he just got through this morning. He was talking to either the House or the Senate. I'm not sure. And tomorrow he'll go to whichever one he didn't uh, testify to. And he'll do a little report and talk about the Federal Open Market Committee. So the that helps explain why investors, mainly retail, are buying shares in bankrupt companies such as Hertz or highly leveraged and distressed retailers like J.C. Penney in the belief that the Fed's intervention interventions will produce a rising tide that will lift all boats, even the sunken ones, even the fallen angels that have sunken. The phenomenon of investors disregarding risk in the belief that they've passed it on to the Fed isn't new. It's been present in markets since the Fed first embarked on unconventional monetary policies during the financial crisis. So a lot of people believe, all right, we saw what happened in the financial crisis, you've got to keep these markets liquid. Let's just right at the beginning of this. So like March 22nd, the Federal Reserve just said all systems go, we're going to, we're going to pump a bunch of money into this, and we're going to keep this bad boy liquid, meaning the economy and all the big companies that basically are at the top of the food chain. The Hertz case is, however, an extreme example of how the Fed's interventions distort markets by removing risk from any price signal. The surge in borrowing in the U.S. is another of that deliberate consequence of the Fed's actions, one that will complicate any pathway to more normal settings in a post-pandemic environment and weigh on the U.S. economy in the future. But we don't worry about the future now. We've just got the, the Fed propping us up, just spending billions and billions of dollars we're going to let we're just going to let that ride. We'll just see how it goes. The US corporate sector and I'm joking, of course, because anytime you spend money, especially in corporate, in uh, Federal Reserve money, that's our money as taxpayers. And uh, should we be doing this? Yeah, I don't know. But we're doing it. The US corporate sector was already highly leveraged even before the Coronavirus outbreak. At the start of this year, U.S. non-financial corporate debt was already nudging $10 trillion, or about 47% of U.S. gross domestic product. Almost half of our GDP is debt. That's crazy. Um, uh, or 47% of our uh, gross domestic product. A decade ago, after a major post-crisis deleveraging, it was closer to 40%. So we've gone up about seven points on uh, corporate debt. More concerning since the financial crisis, and we're talking about the Great Recession of 2008, even as the debt levels have climbed, there has been a steady deterioration in the quality of the credit. About a third of the corporate bond market is now in the form of leveraged or non-investment grade bonds, junk bonds. The levels of leverage and the weak quality of the credit may explain why the Fed has been prepared to take actions it hadn't previously contemplated, even if it expands and perpetuates a class of companies best described as zombies. Because these are companies that shouldn't be alive, that are, they're running on fumes, and the low debt levels. So the, the US government, by buying all of these corporate bonds is keeping it the interest payments that these companies have to make so low that they are literally able to walk around as zombies and operate. They're still operating, even though they're in bankruptcy, and they're basically dead. That's kind of the whole whole zombie thing. Companies best described as zombies kept alive only because the interest rates on their debt are so low and credit is so freely available. So the major concern here is, what happens when the US stops pumping all this money 
into these not great investments? That's the question of the hour. What does that look like? You got to kind of wean yourself off. And what's that look like coming off of basically this mainline feed that the Fed is providing to our economy right now? The pandemic might otherwise have decimated the ranks of the zombies or companies whose earnings wouldn't cover their interest bills in a more normal environment. With the proportion of zombies among the listed U.S. companies now approaching 20%. So one out of five of these companies that are issuing corporate debt, they're, we're saying are zombies. They are companies that shouldn't be operating, but because interest rates are so low that they're able to float that debt and still stay alive. Um, with the proportion of zombies listed among the U.S. companies now approaching 20%, that could have created economic carnage. A problem for the future and one that has been present since the federal fi uh, uh, financial crisis is how the Fed and its central bank peers elsewhere can extricate themselves from the unconventional settings that they've created and the unintended consequences and side effects of those settings, the most potentially threatening of which are the excessive leverage and risk-taking they have encouraged. And in my next article that I'm going to jump into here super shortly, we're going to take a look at who's buying what and how are they doing it. On the evidence of the past decade, there is no exit path without implosions in markets, another financial crisis, and at best, another very deep recession. In these circumstances, investors are clearly signaling that they expect more of the same. Uh, a little dramatic there at the end, but, um, you know, you, you got to have some drama in there. Otherwise, it just kind of gets boring. Financial stuff just gets boring. All right. So my next thing is an article that was market watch and it is the keywords are the rise of mom and pop investors in the stock market will end in tears this is a warning by billionaire cooperman this was on from a, a cnbc news story cnbc news always on our screen um and his quote is they are just doing stupid things this is what cooper's cooperman's saying he is the chief executive officer at omega advisors incorporated Billionaire Leon Cooperman on Monday said that the emergence of individual investors eagerly scooping up stocks that have been rocked amid the coronavirus-induced downturn will ultimately not end well for those individual investors. So companies like Hertz and JCPenney, like we just talked about. The Robinhood markets are going to end in tears, said Cooperman during CNBC's show, Halftime Report on Monday, referring to the popular online trading platform. The Robinhood markets, it's interesting. He's kind of sounding like an old man who's just angry and talking about something he doesn't know a lot about and just, ah, back in my day, we didn't have Robin Hood. But he's probably right from the standpoint of a lot of these investors who now have Robin Hood accounts don't know what they're doing. They don't do stop losses. They don't understand investing because the barriers of, invest of entry, and now I'm sounding like an old dude. They don't, these investors that are jumping into the marketplace don't really understand what's going on. So it's this herd mentality of, well, let's go buy this. And you can get a Robinhood account and get it on your phone and start trading. You can day trade. My son, Kiernan, does a lot of trading. He called me the other day and he had a, uh, he had a five-figure profit um, in under a week on something. And he didn't have a substantial amount invested on the trade, but he does trades all day long. And he's been very successful. But my concern for my kid, who is an investor doing some day trading, is that you lose it all. 
I mean, it just it happens that fast with, with stuff that's as volatile to create the returns as are happening out there. Now I'm seriously sounding like an old guy. The, the 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 risk to return if you have big return, that means you took a big risk. And at some point in time, that is going to go south on you because it always does. And the reason I say that is because we've all experienced it. If you've been in business long enough, and you're on a big run, let's talk about maybe the run of 1998 up through 2001. What happened in 2001? We had the tech stock crash happen, just decimated people's portfolios. You'll still hear people in their in their mid 70s talk about I was in corporate America and I had my my stocks, you know, my retirement was tied to the stock market super heavily. I lost 60 percent of my portfolio. I'm still recovering today. I am still working today to make up for that crash that happened basically um, 20 years ago. And so the lessons that people that old people are talking about now are based on reality, or they're based on history. Now, are there dynamics that are going on with Robin Hood that we don't know about? Yeah, yeah, probably. Are people taking stimulus money and rolling it into the stock market? I think that's a lot of what you've seen. And that's what I hear about. I don't know specifically, and I don't I don't have actual data that says, all right, yeah, this is why the stock market's going up. But you don't have sports gambling right now. So why not take some stimulus money, run into the stock market, see if you can make some money. I mean, I am not opposed to that. But I think what's happening is that there are some wild gyrations in the marketplace that aren't based on business fundamentals. That is the bottom line. So I'm kind of looking at the stock market going, you know, we're still in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, Historically, this stuff shouldn't be happening, but it is. But then again, I'm old and what do I know? All right. So Cooperman referred to a back to the article here. Cooperman referred to a Barron's article that noted that free trading app Robinhood has added more than 3 million accounts this year and now has over 13 million accounts with a median age of 31. My son is 27. He's been doing it for a number of years, but he's kind of on the aggressive end of investing because I don't know. Why not? Um, He enjoys it. So I encourage him. Um, I always just tell them, hey, make sure you've got an exit strategy. And that know that this isn't traditional investing, this isn't a long term thing, you want a long term thing, get yourself a good financial advisor and figure out a plan. That's what I tell everybody. Um, Because everybody thinks their own, you know, when things are going up, everybody's a cowboy and I can do this. I can make this happen. I can put together a million bucks. All right. Well, good luck with that. We'll see where that goes. A number of recent reports attribute the market's rally since its March 23rd low and its subsequent choppy trading, meaning up and down, to an era of zero commission discount brokerage trades ushered in by Charles Schwab and platforms like Robinhood that cater to younger investors. Trade on your phone. Pretty cool. I mean, I love the technology and I love the concept. I just think putting your retirement money in there, you know, doing that kind of thing, instead of doing a real retirement account has its disadvantages. Critics like Cooperman say that a say that a dearth of diversions due to COVID-19 lockdowns and unemployment have created a perfect environment for newly minted day traders to wreak havoc on Wall Street. And what I think the economy gets back to normal when whatever that is, but maybe when people go back to work, they're going to have less time to sit around and go, yeah, let's maybe I'll pull the pull the 
trigger on that trade. Let's let's do that and see what happens. On Monday, Cooperman pointed to purchases of bankrupt car rental company Hertz Global Holdings, which has drawn feverish buying interest from bargain hunting investors. Even though the company's bankruptcy means that there is little, if any, equity value in the enterprise. So there is there's there's no value in the company and yet people are trading it because they've got these wild gyrations. And anytime you got gyrations in a stock market price, there is opportunity to buy on the dip, short it, whatever, you can make some money, but it's kind of getting in and out super quick. Thus far, mom and pop investors have outperformed pros like Cooperman and mutual funds, according to a research report from Goldman Sachs. It's unclear, however, how long that outperformance will last and to the degree by which individual investors are piling into risky investments with reckless abandonment. The way I see this playing out is that the economy gets back to more normal. People go back to their jobs. They're doing less day trading. They need less diversions. And a lot of this trading kind of goes by the wayside. That's the way I see it. The flip side is, is that this is kind of how things go. And now you've got an entire uh, uh, generation of investors who maybe got their start during the Coronavirus pandemic shutdown. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to read, I'm going to teach myself about the stock market. And maybe they become they go on to become investors in their own right. And you know what, more power to them. But just understand the fundamentals of how businesses work. Because at some point in time, you're going to get burned if you don't follow those. Business is basic. I mean, companies either doing well, and it's making money, or it's going the other way. There's not a lot of in between. And so when you're trading on companies that are in bankruptcy, I mean, literally in bankruptcy, and they're floating corporate debt, that's not a good business plan. It's not a good business plan. I, I kind of compare that to here in Washington, you've got a ton of legal marijuana businesses. But on the federal level, those businesses are not legal. The state level, yes, legal. Federal level, federal banking level, no, not legal. Those are not, in my opinion, those are not good businesses because the Fed can come in and shut you down at any, any point in time. Is that good? To me, no. It's super clear how that works. Legal, good. Not legal, bad. All right. Uh, The gambling casinos are closed. This is a quote from Cooperman. The gambling casinos are closed and the Federal Reserve is promising you free money for the next two years. So let them speculate. The Federal Reserve just had their open market committee meeting and they have committed through 2022 to do every to pull out all the stops, keep doing that as far as pumping money into all these markets, keeping liquidity going. So so let them speculate is what Cooperman said, basically saying, you got two years of run of this. So individual investors, are, they're just going to do their thing and let them do their thing. Uh, Cooperman said, referring to the central bank's balance sheet, which has ballooned to 7.2 trillion from about 4 trillion at the beginning of March. Whew, that's a lot of money. That's just, that's, that's a ton of money. And this is as it rolls out stimulus measures to limit the damage from the pandemic. The Fed also has in, has held interest rates at a range between zero and 0.25% and is expected to keep rates around those super low levels until at least 2022. Long time. Let them buy and trade. From my experience, this kind of stuff will end in tears, Cooperman said. All right, maybe, maybe not. Maybe these investors, they're big boys and girls. 
and they won't cry when they lose all their money. They'll be like, yeah, all right, learn my lesson. Here's how I'm going to do it as you know, a slightly older, slightly more wizened adult. This is going to be my game plan moving on. But I sure could have used that 100, 120 grand I had at one time, but I lost it in the market because I didn't have a stop loss set up. Sure could have used that money. We all have those stories. And yeah, you lose a bunch of money and it's painful. But that sometimes is the lesson of your trading career. It's like, oh, I got out of the market because I lost everything. All right, well, that's an expensive lesson to learn. So that is essentially the end of um, what I had based on these two um, articles. Again, you got the zombies, you got those companies being propped up, you've got these investors trading them. I think that's super interesting, especially Robin Hood. And I love the name Robin Hood, steal from the rich, give to the poor. What a great name for a, a free stock trading platform. Because back in the day when I started investing, I was in college, I think my dad set me up with his financial advisor guy ish, whatever. We didn't have access to computers, we didn't have access to our own trades. You literally called up a guy and said, I want to do this trade or what else you got for me? What are you thinking? And that guy would execute your trades maybe a day or two later because trades weren't instantaneous like they are now. Now, if you have a trade that goes beyond more than a couple of seconds, you're like, what, what is going on? Why didn't my trade execute? This is craziness. But back then, you had to reach out and have somebody do it. And so now you've got these platforms like Robin Hood that um, kind of le level the playing field, but also expose investors who may not have the knowledge they need to figure out a game plan that makes sense for them. You've got people running around trading willy nilly. So I find it super interesting. We'll see how it goes. But that is a lot of what I think you're seeing in the stock market, especially with these big ups and downs. You've got profit taking when people have made some money. And we're not talking about the corporate kind of profit taking anymore. We're talking about individual investors, and a lot of them are operating in a herd mentality, from what I can see, maybe I'm totally wrong. If you think I'm totally wrong about this, leave comments on the YouTube video. Love to hear what you think. And if you have questions about anything that I cover, I'm going to start doing a Q&A podcast probably like once every two weeks, get a lot of questions, try and answer them best as I can. Um, but what I'm going to start going to, I'm just going to accumulate a bunch of these questions, and then I'll, I'll answer them uh, in the podcast. So hit me up with questions, love to hear what you are thinking, love to have feedback on the podcast and, and uh, video content. So again, I'm Sean Reynolds from Summit Properties Northwest, Reynolds Decline Appraisal. And if you found this content helpful, love to have you subscribe to our YouTube channel, subscribe on the podcast platforms, hit the like for this video, hit the notification bell so that every time that we come up with something new, you get notified. And uh, thank you so much for watching. And thank you so much for listening, because we are a small independent couple of companies propping this podcast up. I'm basically funding this from my own profits to bring you the content that I see fit. So again, thanks for watching and viewing. I'll catch you in the next one. Bye for now. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so you'll know when our next video is out.